what Good happened? Good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. So, so, you know when you go live, you have one screen. You There's two different screens that I'm looking at. And on the screen, before I switch back to this one, you were like this. You had the... You had the Kevin from Home Alone scream going on. Oh my God. Hey, everybody. Happy Memorial Day weekend. I am <laughs> licensed oh, marriage and family therapist, <laughs> sports family therapist, Dr. Lauren Fizz. This is House Talk pregame. This crazy fool is back. Goodness gracious. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Ronnie Ransom, a licensed professional counselor now. As of last Friday, you yeah. know been a long time coming to finally say that um but welcome back everybody this is episode 126 house talk pregame i think this is the final episode this season where we don't have a guest if i'm not mistaken um this is true because next week we've got a guest the following week we have two guests the week after that we have three guests and then the last show of the season we have two guests so we are it's just me and you today and then and we got to share we <laughs> We've come we've come a long ways though. Like I I, I vividly remember, you know, like last season at this time, you know, like yeah. I think last season, our final up until the final episode when we had um Coach Fraser from Coach Frazier yeah. from Virginia State. Yeah. I don't think we had another guest like before that since like maybe April. So right. you know, we've come a long ways with you know getting people to come on the show and, mm -hmm. and share their perspective and everything. Um, and we still got people lined up. I think we got a, a boatload of people lined up for next season. So yeah, um, right now going, you figure the 2023-2024 um, uh, season kicks off. What's that? I think it's like September 2nd or something like that. Something like that, yeah. And literally we are booked all the way through with guests through the middle of, through the third week in October already. <laughs> it's a blessing. It's, it's a yeah, blessing. It really man. is. Like, it's a good problem it, to have. Oh, uh, a fun problem to have. And, I, and I'm looking forward to it. We got a lot of guests that, you know, we got some returning guests coming for next season. We got some yeah. brand new guests for next season and we're still adding people to the list. Um, So, you know, be sure to check. Ooh. Oh, go ahead. Speaking of that, I just, I got a, a message for you. Coach Ronnie Caney said, what's up? My man, my <laughs> he hit man. He me up yesterday so, and said to definitely make sure we get him the lineup for yeah. the 20th. 2024 season because he wants to jump on with us and yeah and chop he, yeah too. he's been back since september yeah we definitely got to get uh -huh. him on what up coach yeah. how you doing man that's what's up that's yeah. what's up but we got a great topic lineup for you all today we we're talking about unfinished business you know redemption or more regret and you know when we speak about unfinished business and athletics you know um it comes down to you know do you leave it all out there on the field or the court or do you walk away with this this itch of like, man, if I'd have done something different, or man, if I'd have just gave a little bit more, um, where that regret sets in, that resentment kicks in, and you mm -hmm. kind of spend, you know, as opposed to appreciating the moment, you kind of look at it like, man, that moment really wasn't finished business right there. So we're going to talk about, you know, what that looks like and how you can kind of prevent that, but also, you know, how do you maximize and make the most of the business that you have to handle at hand? So we're going to be talking about that. Um, do you have any mental health tip of the week this week, Dr. Pitts? No, no, uh -oh. I don't think so. Uh -uh. Okay. Well, you can, you can, you can, you can process this with me because I think, um, okay. I think this is a pretty important topic in the sports world. 
Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have a chance to really speak on it last week, but now that another week has had a chance to unfold, we saw more to the story kind of come out. Um, So I'm talking about Ja Morant, um, Mm -hmm. point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, For those who, you know, keep up with sports and everything, realize that last, I think it was last Sunday or something, um, he was on Instagram Live. I think it was maybe two Sundays ago now. Maybe he was on Instagram Mm -hmm. Live um with one of his boys and you know they listening to music at one point during the live flashes gun his friend who was on live heard tried to turn the phone away real quick so you know it's not you know you don't see it but kind of too late at that point mm-hmm. so Memphis Grizzlies end up suspending him indefinitely and whatnot and more than likely they're probably not going to have a more definite decision on what they're going to do with him probably till sometime uh when summer league starts after the draft and everything because uh, the NBA draft this season is going to be super interesting um, mm-hmm. with, you know, old boy coming from Europe, uh, Wimben Yama, I think is his name. So they're mm-hmm. not really, you know, trying to focus too much on that. However, um, in our community, in the Black community, a um, lot of conversations were had um, about, you know, his uh, decision and behaviors um, that have been displayed recently, especially with guns and everything. And we know that guns as a whole in this country has been a very hot topic for the last, you know, maybe 10 plus years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the conversations I had been seeing circulating on social media and things like that were centered around, um, well, he didn't break no laws. He didn't shoot nobody. He didn't rob nobody. He ain't hold nobody at gunpoint. He just, he just got his gun in his hand, riding around, listening to music. What's wrong with that? Okay. If we want to be technical, did he break a law? No. Was he wrong for having a gun? Absolutely not. You know, that's his Second Amendment right. To my knowledge, he hasn't done anything to infringe upon that Second Amendment right to not own and possess a firearm as a, you know, citizen of the United States. So to my knowledge, don't know that. If that was the case, I'm pretty sure it'd be an even bigger story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, um, my disappointment in that ideology of that, you know, kind of dismissing it as he didn't break any laws or he didn't do anything, you know, to harm anybody. Um, I'm a gun owner. Um, you know, I, I fully believe in my second amendment right to arm and protect myself for me and my family um, in case anything ever goes left. Um, you know, I'm responsible with it. I know my gun rights, I know my gun laws and all that. Um, I know my way around the weapon. You know, I don't take that lightly. Um, and you ask any responsible gun owner, what's rule number one of owning a gun? It's don't disrespect your gun. You disrespect mm-hmm. your gun, it sure enough will disrespect you in return somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so that's just that's just my baseline of understanding of what it means to be a gun owner, a responsible gun mm-hmm. owner, right? Um, however, you know, as a as a clinician, as a you know, somebody who loves to work with athletes and things like that, you know, me and you both love to work with athletes. Uh, We talk about this a lot where I think a lot of times, you know, athletes themselves, but also fans of athletes and things like that, kind of mistake the athletic persona as who this individual is, you know, solely. And because of that, we kind of dismiss things. We kind of look at athletes as superheroes or, you know, above the law or above reproach, above, you know, the common person in sense of, you know, what rules apply and what is like, oh, well, I have this wealth status in class and things like that. So you know what? I don't really have to abide by these rules and laws. Mm-hmm. If 
I was in John Morant's circle if, or even if I was somebody who was working with him on a, on a mental health basis, first and foremost, you know, let's understand one thing, you know, I think we can all safely, you know, make the educated guess that John Morant wants to be in the NBA, right? I think, you know, mm-hmm. we can all, I think we can all safely assume he wants to be a participant in the NBA. He right. worked hard his entire life. He put himself in position. He did all the right things athletically as a student athlete in college to put himself in position to be in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I will find it hard to believe if that was different now, even having, you know, this brand new contract that kicks in this offseason, five years, $197 million. I would mm-hmm. find it hard to believe that all of a sudden now he doesn't want to be in the NBA. However, his personal decisions and his personal behaviors scream otherwise. Yeah. Any rational person, I would think, would understand that if your personal decisions, your personal behaviors get in the way of your mm-hmm. professional career, regardless of what your professional career is, if your mm-hmm. personal decisions get in the way of your professional career, that is not living a healthy life in no way, shape, or the form. We said this the last time this incident came about where, you know, it seems as if John Morant is really struggling with, you know, balancing what it means to be a professional athlete and also just a 23-year-old Black man in America. From my perspective, mm-hmm. that's just my opinion. I'm not saying that's the that's the consensus overall. That's just my opinion from what it looks like from the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't judge him as an individual. I don't know. Right. I really don't. However, mm-hmm. from a professional standpoint, from an athletic career standpoint, his personal decisions, the only person he is quote unquote shot in the situation is himself. Correct. That's the only person in this situation. The NBA has specific rules, boundaries, guidelines, bylaws, collective bargaining agreement that every person in the NBA has agreed upon. Mm-hmm. John Morant as an individual, as a human, as a citizen of the United States can do everything he wants to do within his rights as a citizen. Mm-hmm. But the NBA has rules and boundaries that if you want to be a participant in the NBA, you have to abide by. Correct. That is not trying to um, minimize, you know, the black man. That's not trying to criticize the black man. That's not trying to hold him down. That's not trying to put him in his place. Those are their rules that they enforce with every single athlete who is in the NBA. And they agreed to follow them. It's no different than the athletes in the NFL from the Detroit Lions and whatever the other team was that got in trouble for gambling. You cannot bet on your own games. It's against the rules. They weren't, you know, they weren't waving a gun, but they still, it was three black men that broke the rules. You you sign, you're under contract. Hello. And there, and when we violate the rules, there's consequences for breaking the rules. Absolutely. And so, you know, I think a lot of times we we are so quickly at times to make things about race to try and dismiss or prove points when in reality it's a situation of responsibility and accountability as a human first. You know, right. I'll tell you this much. If you're riding with me in a car, I don't care what we're listening to. I don't care if we're listening to 2003 crunk music or 2023 NBA young boy, any drill music artist out there. If we in a car, and you feel the need to start waving your gun around to the music, I promise you, you got to walk to wherever the hell it is we going after that. Like, no, I've seen far too many instances. I've seen far too many videos of people playing with guns and something going absolutely left. Mm-hmm. Like it, it happens far too often. 
Guns are not meant to be played with. And if you're going to disrespect it, look, there's natural consequences to every decision we make, good or bad. And what I do not want to see is somebody who has worked their entire life off to be in a position and be in a place where they're, I think for me also too, what kind of disappoints me is that in the grand scheme of things, this man is being paid millions of dollars to play a sport that we all play for recreation and leisure. Correct. You know, like in the grand scheme of things, like, you know, a higher standard of conduct, but yeah, absolutely. But even beyond that, like, that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a, you know, like trajectory. I get to play basketball, make millions of dollars playing basketball. And then if I'm, you know, if I'm smart enough, if I'm fortunate enough, Mm -hmm. I don't ever have to work a conventional job ever again. My family don't ever have to struggle ever again. You know, like regardless of like just the day-to-day decisions, in the grand scheme of things, like you've, you have put yourself in position that if not messed up, will not only bless you, but your family for generations to come. You can't put a price on that. You you can't put value on that. Like in the grand scheme of things, like you don't owe nobody else that, but you and your family at that point. Mm -hmm. So these self-saboteur behaviors kind of disappoint me because it's like, we think we talk about the NFL, how hard it is to get to the NFL. The NFL has 256 draft spots every year, but overall they have, I think, 1,500, you know, 1,500 players. NBA only has 450. Yeah. They only draft 62 players a year. Wow. So, and I know a lot Wendell of people. Wendell is real, 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 real small. Yeah, I know a lot of people who pick up a basketball who never get a chance to pick up basketball in the NBA. So, right. you know, I say all that to say, you know, we, we really have to understand that number one, it's not about mm-hmm. judging this man. You know, everybody's saying he's 23, you know, he got 200 million. He don't know no better. All I know is at 23, cognitively, your brain is damn near developed all the way, you know, barring any, you know, real traumatic injuries, any, you know, physical injuries or any heavy substance use, your brain is damn near developed at 23. Like, so, and a lot of us at 23 know right from wrong. Give me, let me give you a couple of examples. Mm -hmm. We don't see him flashing his bank card on Instagram live, right? We don't see him flashing his debit card, his credit cards or anything like that. We know he got 200 million in the bank. We know he got endorsement money. But we don't need to see him flashing his bank card for all of us to see it. We don't see him flashing his house address either. We know he probably live in a mansion or a really nice house somewhere out in Memphis, somewhere in Tennessee, wherever else he lives. Mm-hmm. We don't need to see his house address and see the inside of his house to know he's well off in a house. Yeah. You don't need to go touch a pan on the stove to know it's hot when you see the iron on. You don't need to go touch an iron after you iron clothes to know that it's hot. So to know right from wrong at certain ages. Yes, if I was 23 and I had 200 million, if I'm being honest and I'm being objective and transparent, yeah, I probably would tune a lot of people out because I'm probably not trying to hear a lot of things at 23 with 200 million in the bank. I was making a lot of dumb decisions at 23 with a $5,000 credit card. God knows what I do with 200 million, you know? So, <laughs> like, I can understand that. But what, what I do not like is how we would just sit here and watch a young brother make decisions that we all know you just don't regardless if it's nba nfl therapist fortune Mm -hmm. 500 like you don't just go waving a gun around flashing around just for the sake of listening to music that's dangerous that's reckless as a human that's not smart like you can have a gun i got one got plenty of them you will never see me waving that gun around to music or just for fun 
Like, that's stupid. That's a stupid decision. What part of that you want me to speak to? Wherever you feel fit. So just so y'all know, folks, he told me prior to the show that he was going to go on a rant. So I just let him get it out. We... I think as a black community, we have to be really careful about what we are willing to allow slide and try and compare it to other races about what they do and how they police their own people. I see too, I see far too much of that. Well, politicians don't police themselves. Look, that's, I'm not a politician. I'm not speaking to politicians. I'm speaking to athletes. Athletes tell me they want to get to the highest level for athletes that you can possibly get. Well, to get there, there's certain things you got to do. I heard somebody mention that, well, I don't see people, uh, you know, uh, they, just how they, you know, went against Jaws, how they went against um, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving made a decision about his body that was best for him. The NBA, and it wasn't even the NBA who had said he had to get it. He played in New York City. New York City had a law that said, if you want to play any sport or do anything in New York City, you have to be vaccinated. He chose not to. He was fine with that decision. That's a personal decision, a medical decision he made for him and his body. Who am I to tell him what to do with him and his body? He knew the consequences of that decision. It wasn't an NBA rule. It was simply a New York City rule. Had he played in 29 other cities, that would have never been a conversation. But because he played in New York City, that was his decision. He was fine with it. It ended up working out for him in the overall, but two completely different situations. He chose not to put something in his body. He didn't choose to wave a gun around on Instagram Live. Two completely different things. He didn't put nobody's. He didn't put nobody in harm by not putting something in his body. He didn't wave a gun around in a car full of grown men that could possibly go off. Two completely different things. Now I'm done. Promise. <laughs> um, you know me, Ronnie. I, I always look at the root of things, and when we look at you know, I speak often about these internal narratives that people navigate life with and the spoken and non-spoken messages that inform those narrative scripts. At the end of the day, the, the people that you're speaking about on social media who have polar opposite views and belief systems than you do or I do or anybody else that thinks that what he did was just ridiculously reckless. It speaks to, it speaks to value systems. It speaks to belief systems. It speaks to people's moral compass and how they evaluate information. <clears throat> what is reckless to you or me or someone else is perfectly okay to other people what may be offensive to someone else might not be offensive to me or you. And I think that I agree with you. I think that it was totally reckless and, and irresponsible on his part. And for me, my brain goes, and I'm not a, let me just, you know, put the disclaimer out there. I'm not a paranoid person. I'm not, you know, I'm not a catastrophizer or anything like that. But I also recognize that we live in a country where driving while black <laughs> in this country is dangerous. And I, my brain immediately went to how differently that could have played out if just by coincidence, there had been a police officer 
behind them in a ghost rider that they didn't even know that there was an officer behind them and how that could have looked very different. We know that celebrities get stopped all the time and or the fact that they're celebrities is disregarded. People don't, you know, there are officers who don't care. Um, there are celebrities that have been stopped by police and, and treated as unjustly as a regular citizen. So just because you have this elite status as an athlete doesn't mean that it's gonna safeguard your life. And, and the that bullets don't care either. Last time yeah, I checked. No, bullets don't have a name. Ask Plaxico Burris if them bullets cared about his elite status as a Right. It, it just doesn't, um, it doesn't make sense. One of the things that I'm just really, really careful about when it comes to, to people that have what I believe um, radical and extreme perspectives about things, I don't debate with people. I don't debate with people because I, and it, and it, it takes me all the way back to something that my, um, my first husband's mother told me, goodness gracious, probably over 30 years ago now. She said, Lauren, you're gonna mess around and be dead right. And what she meant by that was the fact that your belief system is your belief system. So you believe that you're right based upon your perspective of the situation. And their belief system is their belief system based upon their perspective of the situation. And in the grand scheme of things, both are fine. People are entitled to have their perspectives. But there are some people who their right mm -hmm. is going to cost them. Oh, yeah. It's going to cost them. Ooh, and, right. Yeah. And, you know, you... It's going to be what it's going to be. Um, it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate because when you think about younger children who look up to these athletes and, and don't have a sense of identity of their own and they want to be like John Morant, they want to be like, you know, whomever, it's, it's scary. It really is scary because so many children are growing up in these situations where they're trying to be accepted. They're trying to show, you know, that they they fit into certain norms within right. their communities. And I'm sure just like you, I can see a carload of, of black male teenagers and somebody doing that because they saw him do it. And, and, and it turns out tragically. You know, and I, I've had a lot of conversations, um, you know, because I'm, I'm kind of like the 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 uh, the beginning of the social media era. Like I was born right before it kind of exploded, um, and I was having this conversation with somebody else who uh, is thirty. Um, and you know, we were saying that you know, twenty years ago, the music we were listening to, we were ten and eleven years old. The music we were listening to was about you know hustling and you know love making, you know having sex stuff like that. All the stuff we shouldn't have been listening to at 10 and 11. I should not have been <laughs> listening to Blessed Baby or Pretty Ricky at mm. 13, 14 years old. But um, if we being real, y'all had no business listening to music y'all was listening to growing up. We came up the <laughs> That's not my point well, here. 
that it is so clear to me why previous generations have so many daggone kids because everything they listen to was baby making music, everything. Hey, look, hey, you want to, you want to, for those out there, let, go look up Lucille Bogan on YouTube. I ain't going to say nothing else. Lucille Bogan on YouTube. Oh, goodness. Anyways, so, and you know, because this is the conversation that a lot of people have about the influence of music, culture, and things yeah. like that on our young kids and our young athletes. You know, mm -hmm. the music and, and the influences that we had when I was, you know, 10, 11 years old was more about hustling, you know, make, love making sex, things like that. The music nowadays glorifies more drug using culture and, you know, gun violence, completely mm -hmm. different. However, one of the things I always say, we talk about this all the time on the show, and this kind of leads into our topic of unfinished business because yeah. your personal decisions have a direct correlation and impact on your professional, you know, athletic career. Like, That's right. You know, and, you know, one of the last things you ever want to have as an athlete is have a personal decision, make a choice for your athletic career <clears throat> that leads to resentment and regret. Yeah. Because it can we hear that with athletes with sexual assault charges and sexual assault allegations. We hear about that at the collegiate and the NFL level. Right. And oh, Ronnie, sidebar, but relevant. I need to I'm going to just go ahead and say I was debating on whether or not I was going to say it. What's up? I shared previously on the show that um, my freshman year at Howard, I was sexually assaulted by uh, a scholar athlete. And I sh I've shared on the show, you know, the embarrassment and the shame and, and the humiliation that I experienced that led to me not reporting. And, you know, there were other victims that did not report also. And what was so unfortunate about that, and I, I had to learn how to shed that guilt because for a long time I felt like, oh, well, if I had reported, maybe he wouldn't have assaulted other people. But that individual went on to commit some horrific crimes against mm -hmm. other women over the years. Um, there were some attempted murder charges and, and arson and what have you. And unfortunately, um, a, f a few years ago, um, he was alleged to have murdered his current girlfriend at the time. And then he was a fugitive for justice for, I, I believe it was three or four years he was a fugitive for justice. And they finally caught him and he went to trial. My best friend called me last Friday to tell me that he was given 60 years. Dang. He would never see the light of day again. How, his, how old is he now? Same as me. His reign of terror is over. That's what's up. They might well just say life. Well, I guess they can't say life because if he mess around and make it the whole 60 years, he'd be what about 115? That'd yeah. be crazy. Right. So it's, there was somebody that, that actually happened. They I think they like had got sentenced to like 60, 70 years. Mm -hmm. and lived the entire sentence. I think they were like 103, 104 end up getting right. out. Um, wow. But yeah, no, that's, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, crazy. it's sad, it's tragic and, and a relief at the same time, Ronnie, because, right. you know, he's a father, mm -hmm. you know, he's a son, um, you know, he has friends and, and people that love him and care about him. But he was a very, very, very troubled young man from a very early age and was a an athletic star. 
He was absolutely positively an athletic star. Um, so when we speak of decisions and then right. finally catching up to you, it took decades, but the decisions that he made that stemmed all the way back to our youth finally. Absolutely. And, I, and I think one of the, I think one of the, um, sometimes disservices of sports, but also any, and I would not, I, I'm not just going to limit it to sports, but mm -hmm. um, I'm just going to speak on the sports, um, you know, perspective, but this also could be applied to entertainment or any other venue of, you mm -hmm. know, being on a public platform. Um, how many times do we see where when an athlete's talent oftentimes overshadows their behaviors of who they are as a person? Yeah. Um, and I think, some of the disservices we do as fans of sports, indulgers of sports, consumers of sports, is mm -hmm. that, you know, we kind of have this, you know, double standard of like, you know, we want our athletes to be model citizens, role models, leaders, you know, positive influence and things like that. But also, too, we have some athletes who, you know, hey, like two things can be true. They can be, you know, have God given talent. Yeah. But they can also have, you know, maybe malicious intent, you know, as a person. Um, yeah. But a lot of times when, you know, we think that, oh, well, if this person just gets a chance or a break, you know, yeah. and have a space where they can just really, you know, use their talent, they'll figure it out. They'll, you know, they'll change along the way. Yeah. We know to be true that whether, you know, male, female, whatever the case may be, if you don't help a kid understand boundaries, rules, limits, you know, yeah. how to, you know, how to really manage your behaviors growing up when you're not given a baseline or understanding, you're allowed to, you know, you know, use those or display those behaviors. But on the back end, it's like, oh, well, you know, he's a hell of a football player. So just, just let him. It's all right, man. He ain't trying to hurt nobody until yeah. they actually hurt somebody, until right. they actually make a decision that, you know, impacts other people's lives. Then it's like, why ain't nobody saying nothing to him? Why ain't nobody trying to talk man. to him? Why ain't nobody trying to stop him? Right. supposed to say that didn't happen but we know to be true if you don't catch a kid's ear early enough if you don't establish right. those those principles and those boundaries early enough right. you leave a kid to you know kind of be just a natural rebellion and figure it out their own way and we know right. to be true that people who try to figure it out their own way you know smart people learn from their own mistakes but wise people learn from the mistakes of others and i'm in the business of making wise people not smart people no um, that's real you know, so I want my athletes to be wise, not smart. I want my athletes to understand that, you know, unfortunately, there have been athletes before you who mm -hmm. do have unfinished business because of personal decisions impacted mm -hmm. their professional careers. We've seen it time after time again. We've also seen where maybe some athletes have had their athletic career prolonged because simply their talent allowed it to be. Yeah. You know, we saw for um, we saw as far as maybe. Uh, somebody who might have unfinished business, uh, Tiger Woods, for example. Um, mm -hmm. We saw from night, basically like 1996 to 2009, mm -hmm. that, you know, 13-year run, probably no other golfer will ever have a more dominant stretch than that stretch right there. Um, mm -hmm. However, his personal decisions off the golf course, his infidelities, his um, struggling with addiction for, you know, pleasure, sexual pleasure, whatever the case may be, eventually impacted his professional career now yeah. same know, thing with Deshaun Watson and all the stuff that he was going through and right and even another gun related one that I brought up in a conversation with somebody was Marcus Vick you know the brother of Michael Vick um mm -hmm. for those who might not be familiar with who Marcus Vick is you should go look him up um phenomenal talent 
um, for for maybe about a good year um, when he was at Virginia Tech, there was this maybe debate of could he be better than his brother? Would he be better yeah. than his brother? He just had to get to the league. And by all accounts, you know, Michael Vick paved the way for all Marcus had to do was, bro, just show up. show up and don't mess up. Like, simple, yeah. right? However, yeah. um, you know, I was young then. So, you know, as I'm older now, I can only purely speculate on what possibly could have happened. But it could be said that, you know, because of the, you know, having to fulfill his big brother's shoes, you know, having to live up to that standard, having to have that expectation of being as good or better than your brother when he was a generational talent, um, he ended up losing his athletic career because of personal decisions. He found himself at outside of a McDonald's in Newport News, Virginia, and got into, you know, heated discussion, heated debate, whatever the case may be, brand is to fire on. Um, and for those who don't know about Virginia laws, you will more than likely serve more time in jail for brandishing than firing your weapon. Um, you know, so yeah, but a simple decision like that. He didn't shoot nobody, he ain't robbed nobody, he ain't kill nobody. He just pulled it and lost yeah. the rest of his athletic career because of that. So, yeah. you know, you know, we have to be really mindful of when we're really helping our athletes get to a position where they can maximize their talents, also recognizing that yes. You can reach a certain talent. You can reach a certain level of fame, acclaim, and things like that. But you are not bigger than the sport. You are not right. bigger than your team. You are not bigger than your own individual self. Yeah. And if you think you are, if you think you're above reproach, if you think you're above any other individual just because of what you do, because if you can throw a football, bounce a basketball, catch a baseball, if you think that's the reason why you can look down on people, trust and believe, it will catch up to you. Every time Every for me, time. you know, I don't have a lot of regrets in my personal life. You know, I'm only 30 and, you know, I don't know how many more summers I got left. I like to think I at least got another 45. I always said, if I can make it to 75, anything past 75 would just truly be a blessing. Cause it's a bonus. If I was a long time, like you mm -hmm. 55, right? Yeah. I'm 55. That's another Eli. Eli will be able to have a drink with you when you 75. I'm not trying to, you know, <laughs> shut up wrong with you <laughs> really really <laughs> something to look forward to right i mean if, above all else like you know. anyway play with you <laughs> but you know so in my personal life you know when it comes to regrets resentment unfinished business per se I'm still handling business in that aspect of my life. You know, I'm still taking care of business. I'm hell now I can really do business now because I put myself in position to really be a business. Yes, um, you know, at like the famous Jay-Z line, I'm not a businessman, I'm a business man. So, you know, that's yeah. what I'm trying to be. I'm trying to build my brand, just like John Morant's also trying to build his brand. But his personal decisions are really trying to hinder the business of, you know, really trying to build that brand and be a brand, not only for him, but a brand that can last far longer than his athletic career will be. Yeah. When we talk about athletic business, you know, finishing athletic business, and I, I shared this story before, um, you know, going into my last year playing football, the theme of our season was unfinished business. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the season prior to that, I've, I've shared it, you know, many times before was the 2013 season where unfortunately we had a fight at the banquet and, you know, the championship game was canceled, season was canceled, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and for a lot of people, you know, for consensus, consensus, you know, our nine and one season, that season was by all accounts a fluke. Um, wow. You know, nobody thought that we could replicate or duplicate what we did the previous season. It was a one-off, you know, we had got a JMU quarterback, JMU running back, 
You know, mm-hmm. we surprised a couple people, got a brand new coach. We were smelling ourselves, but come mm-hmm. 2014, everything come back down, you know, level. Mm-hmm. But we knew that. We heard that talk. We heard the chatter. We, you know, heard being called thugs and reckless and undisciplined and all that <laughs> things. We were called that entire offseason because of a couple of decisions. But mm-hmm. granted, we had a few people on the team who made personal decisions that impacted the team as a whole that prevented right. us from really reaching our acclaim. So, yeah. When you talk about having regret and resentment, trust and believe if there's one thing I do regret in my athletic career to this point is thinking about what could have been that 2013 season. I mm-hmm. think about that all the time. Um, me and some of my teammates, we talk about that at times where we think about like, you know, mm-hmm. what we really could have done that season had that mm-hmm. punch not have been thrown, had mm-hmm. that fight not taken place. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't get to finish that business that season, but mm-hmm. we made it our mission to finish the business the following season. We ended up doing that. But, you know, I just, you know, really kind of summarized and sped through that. But what did we really have to do to really make sure that we didn't leave with unfinished business? You know, first and foremost, and we talk about this all the time, having realistic goals, you know, mm-hmm. having having a, a, a unified mission that the team could understand, make it very simple. Mm-hmm. Unfinished business was our motto. Yeah. We knew that we had the talent. We knew we had the team. We knew we had the intellect, the, the depth. We knew we had a championship team in Ettrick, Virginia, on Virginia State University's campus. Mm-hmm. We just had to put ourselves in position to get back on that stage to show not only the CIAA in the D2 in Division II, but ourselves mm-hmm. that we belonged there. We were worthy mm-hmm. of being there. So we had to set a realistic goal. We knew what it took. We knew what it took in that first offseason of working hard, being disciplined. So that's the bare minimum, having a set goal. Go ahead. But... <laughs> Well, not but, and uh, how do I want to say this? I agree. Mm-hmm. I absolutely, positively agree. I think that the problem sometimes, though, speaks to the conversations that we've had around identity, right? Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes, and you've talked about it often, how you know, for you all as players, you all recognize when you, you recognize who the hard workers are. You recognize who your ride or die players are. Um, you it was a couple of uh, shows ago when you talked about the game where your kicker, <laughs> your kicker almost quit. Had a temper the, tantrum. Yeah, had the whole temper tantrum. And I think that that's a great example of perhaps someone who's goals coming into the team environment are different than the rest of the team. And I think that it's so important to be mindful of that as these goals are being set, because if we're honest, everybody's not on board. Everybody's not in alignment. I mean, you've talked before. I've heard other guests talk that have come on the show about how quickly you all are able to put your finger on the pulse of the athlete that it's all about them. I, Mm -hmm. I, 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 and we, as cliche as it is, but it's true. There's no I in team, right? So clearly those teams that are unfortunate enough to have an athlete or athletes on the team, that it's all about them. They want to, they want that, that like their primary focus is their highlights reel so that they can get to the pros. It's you not. You see that a lot at? 
You yeah. see that the most at the high school level. Wow. Yeah. Want to know why? And and now, so I'm saying this with the with the context of I did not play at the D1 level. So let me just mm -hmm. put that in there. Okay. Um, I did not play at the D1 level. However, from a high school standpoint, and I and I saw this firsthand at my high school. Um, when I was coming into my high school the previous year, they had just made it to the regional championship in the state of Virginia, which is like the the state quarterfinals in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, they went undefeated during the season. And honestly, by all accounts, they just had like, it was the worst time to have a collapse in a playoff game. And that's what kind of happened. Mm -hmm. But by all accounts, we were loaded with talent year in and year out. Mm -hmm. So when I was coming in as a freshman, half of the team was still from that team the year before that had went, made it that far and things like that. So mm -hmm. They had a standard at which they said what we had to follow coming in as freshmen. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to be the only freshman to be on the varsity team. So I got to see it up front. One of the things I noticed when you talked about, you know, kind of that selfish identity coming in mm -hmm. is that we had a couple of uh, players on the team who had D1 interest. We're getting D1 um, uh, recruits and things like that coming to look at them mm -hmm. and everything. I would say after by the fourth game of that season, I think we were two and two which mm -hmm. was, we were two and two for the first time in a long time at Matoka. Um, one of our D linemen, phenomenal athlete and everything. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden over the course, it became about him, him, him. Um, mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, he played both ways. He played offensive line and defensive line. Mm -hmm. So above all else, his mentality became, I'm gonna get my highlights. You know, mm. like, I'm going to make sure that I get those tackles and get those sacks. I'm going to make sure I get these pancakes and make sure I look good on film. Mm -hmm. the, hell, the hell with the team got going on. Like, we suck at this point. Like, so mm -hmm. we're not going to the playoffs. We suck. Like, so mm -hmm. I'm going to get mine. And can I be honest with you for a second about that? And mm -hmm. and I wish, I wish I could have some instant feedback from some other high school athletes at this time. But mm -hmm. when we speak about high school athletes, we've seen how much it becomes a business now. I recognized going into my sophomore season that, you know what, it wasn't that we had a lack of talent on our team. It was that we had a lack of coaching awareness to understand that we didn't have a plethora of talent, but we had talent in certain places that if given enough instruction and guidance, we could have done something, but we didn't mm -hmm. have the coaches at the time to really grow that team into what it could have been over the long term. Mm -hmm. So for me as an individual recognizing that, I made sure that I put myself in position to, hey, we might suck as a team, but mm -hmm. I'm going to stand out on film. Yeah. And But I will say, I know that might sound a little selfish, but what I will say is, though, that as an offensive lineman, I made sure I did my job, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, you know, when we, when we speak about how individual goals align with team goals and stuff like that, you know, in college, you know, they ask us at the beginning of the season, write down your individual goals and team goals. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they always tell you, like, if your individual goals get in the way of the team goal, you most likely won't start. You most likely yeah. won't play yeah. because we know when push comes to shove, it's no longer going to be about you um, being. Um, I got to step away for a second. I'm sorry. You yeah. got a hurt team. I got to step away for a second. I apologize. OK, turn your camera off. So it happens. So one of the things that, um, you know, that I think that it's really important for our audience to, to keep in mind as it comes to, to setting goals is that 
in order to do that effectively, you have to know who you are. <laughs> you know, we talk often on the show about how the athlete takes on the identity of the sport. In other words, the athlete is saying, who am I outside of football? Who am I outside of basketball? Who am I outside of baseball or swimming or lacrosse or soccer or whatever the sport is? And at the end of the day, if you are not in tune with who you are apart from sport, then it sort of distorts your ability to set goals. Yes, it is absolutely necessary to have goals that are specific to your athletic your athletic trajectory, but what else, right? Because you don't live in a box. You don't live in a bubble. You are, um, you are a multifaceted athlete who your life is present in domains. So your health and well-being, your love and relationships, your academic and athletic and, and career journey, how you spend your time and with whom you spend your time. And if we you know, throw in the name and image and likeness, what that looks like within the context of your financial self as well. Mm. So all of those things have to be taken into consideration where your goal setting is concerned. Because if you set goals that are just athletic related and you don't take into consideration that you're, you're a holistic being, right? If your personal goals are not in alignment with your athletic goals and your athletic goals are not in alignment with the team goals, then what ends up happening is, and believe me when I tell you, you don't have to believe me now, but you'll see every aspect of your life is going to be adversely impacted. And it's those types of fractures that can inform you making decisions that are not in your best interest that can end up compromising your athletic trajectory. Go ahead, Ronnie. No, thank you for that. Um, sorry about that. Um, had a uh, quick little uh, family uh, thing, but um, no. So as I was saying, um, so one of the things I recognize as you know, making sure that what because what I didn't want to happen was I didn't want to leave the fate of my athletic career in my coach's hands in high school. Mm -hmm. um i realized that you know no no fault of their own you know they knew what they knew and did the best they could but i knew if i wanted to get to the next level i had to be an advocate for myself in a way that i had to play the team game the right way but also mm -hmm. i had to make sure that i stood out on top of that so yeah. you know the individual work that i did outside of the team you know the the that extra balance practice, right you know the the making sure that I, at the end of the day, I always tell athletes, if you take care of your job above all else, if you take care of your job and can have faith and hope in your teammates that they will in, take care of their individual jobs and roles, mm -hmm. more times than not, you know, things will work out in your favor. Yeah. You know, and especially in team sports, the, the synchrony of everybody having the mindset of, I have to do my job on this play. If I mm -hmm. do my job on this play, the light, the chances of having success works out in our favor, you yeah. know? But getting 11 people on a football field or five people on a, a basketball court or 11 people on a baseball field to work in unison takes time. It takes practice. It takes trust. It takes consistency. It takes discipline. It takes yeah. all those fundam fundamental principles and foundations yeah. that if we don't enforce those early on, not only, but here's the other part, not only by the yeah. coaches and by your teammates, but at home too, by other yeah. people that you're around, by your village, 
though we talk about all the time that those same qualities that we promote in athletes and athletics are the same transferable qualities that we promote in the in the real world too yeah. if you are consistent and disciplined in your athletic career more times than not in your professional career and in overall life you will be consistent and disciplined too you know mm -hmm. if you work hard if you show up first if you're if you um you know finish through the line finish through the drill more times than not in your in your um work career and stuff like that you'll mm -hmm. take the initiative to make sure the job is done you'll take the initiative to make sure that you're part of the the project or whatever thing you're doing for whatever company mm -hmm. is done those mm -hmm. those skills transfer over mm -hmm. when you don't have those reinforced if you only have those reinforced by the coaches and by your teammates and it's not being mm -hmm. reinforced all around once again sometimes athletes can get this over over hyper over hyper centralized sense of my athletic identity means more than everything else in my life so mm -hmm. how would i listen to what i need to do in school or what my parents are telling me to do at home or, or what other adults are telling me to do in the community when as long as i throw this ball with a spiral as long as i pancake this person as long as i slam dunk this ball as long as i hit these home mm -hmm. runs and throw these strikes i'm good to go yeah yeah but you set yourself up when you have that imbalance, you set yourself up to have regret or resentment in one area of your life. It might not be in your athletic career. You might maximize your athletic career. But if you have an imbalance of athletic self and personal identity, then your personal identity might suffer. We all know when we talk about balance and we know this just as clinicians, right. we know balance is what do I need to be the most that day? You know, I can't be everything to everyone at all times. You know, especially in our field, when we talk about the importance of really being where your feet are session by session, case by mm -hmm. case, person by person, because those people are spending their good, hard earned money to come to us to process, to vent, to explore, to evaluate their individual lives. We they need to be fully present. Us, right. They have an expectation of us of how we present ourselves, how we show up. Yeah. If I allow my personal life to get in the way of my professional life. Right. That might cause a client to exacerbate, you know, their symptoms. That might cause a client right. to feel like I'm not committed to them or I'm not giving them everything they need. Right. So that might that might throw a wrench in their therapeutic journey because of my personal choices and decisions allowing it to impact my professional life. That's right. And if that causes a consequence of my license being suspended, a terminated, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Damn right, I'm gonna have some unfinished business and some regret. Like, no, that's real. Know, because I, I couldn't identify, I couldn't change in myself how my personal decisions and my personal choices are impacting my professional life, how I make money, how I protect and provide for my family financially. Yeah. And if I don't put something in place of that, I'm literally sabotaging that in front of everybody else. Yeah. And that screams for help. It, it does. And I know you've got some other, we are so short on time. Sean goes by so daggone fast. Um, so I want to give you a chance to hit those other points real quick that you have. I just wanted to to touch on the regrets piece because so oftentimes yeah. I, my clients come in, you know, they, there's so many regrets, Ronnie, and I literally see regret as a shackle and chain. Mm -hmm. You, we can't, I, I, I explain it to my clients this way you can't undo anything that has happened you can't right. you get to decide if the pain of your past i.e those things that you regret that shoulda coulda woulda happened differently you get to decide if the pain of your past is going to define your present and your future 
Mm-hmm. You get to decide that. It Absolutely. only can do that if you give it permission to. And I think people that allow themselves to become ensnared with regret literally are forfeiting the opportunity to experience more and different and better presently and in the coming future. So what I suggest to my clients is you, and and I give it to them metaphorically, right? You get to decide, are you going to spend the rest of your life or how many ever additional days, weeks, months, and years navigating life, looking in your rearview mirror of life, or are you going to look out the windshield of life and move forward in a positive and productive manner? And rather than looking at the, the, the fact that things didn't go your way in a regretful manner, look at them as lessons, look at them as opportunities to grow, look at them as opportunities to experience more and different and better moving forward. You can not undo the past and living in regret is going to keep you bound to the pain of your past because where your thoughts go, your energy flows. What you feed is going to grow and that energy that you're expending entertaining those regrets should Mm -hmm. be channeled and funneled to your next, whatever that next is that you've decided. You're the architect. You are literally the architect of your life. Rewrite your chapters, rename them, and take the power back from that regret and use that energy to, to create a custom blueprint of your best self moving forward. I just want to add that before you make those last points before we wrap up for today. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you made that point because um, as we get ready to wrap up, I think one way I'll piggyback off of that real quick. And one of the things that I try to work with um, people who, you know, deal with regret, resentment, um, mm-hmm. or even, you know, even in the category of depression and things like that, because we know regret and resentment can automatically trigger depressive thoughts and symptoms and things mm-hmm. like that. So, mm-hmm. One of the things I really try to work with clients on that, that that aspect of is identifying the core beliefs behind those thoughts and behind those feelings. Mm, yeah. um, and we've talked about core beliefs before. And, you know, in, in my humble estimation, I feel like you can really boil down core beliefs to two kind of thoughts. Am I worthy enough? And am I competent enough? Mm. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I do is we call downward arrow question and answer technique. Um, and so it's a CBT, it's a CBT technique or a cognitive behavioral therapy technique where, you know, let's say, for example, a client says, you know, in this ample, example says, I didn't get the most out of my career, you know, so mm-hmm. I might ask, you know, what does that mean to you? And, you know, so mm-hmm. on and so forth, because what we're trying to identify is in this aspect of you looking in, in, in retrospect of your athletic career, you saying that mm-hmm. I didn't get the most out of it. Well, by you not getting the most out of your athletic career based off whatever expectations you had of getting out of it, what does the reality of that situation say about you? Were mm-hmm. you were you not worthy enough of reaching your athletic, you know, um, peak, or do you feel like mm-hmm. you weren't competent enough to reach your athletic peak? Mm-hmm. And so, because by getting down to the core belief of where you have that resent or where that regret, that resentment or where that regret is originating from, we can pinpoint mm-hmm. how that core belief how we can start to reframe and rethink about that core belief because okay you might not have maximized your athletic career based off the expectations or thoughts you had in your head mm-hmm. but in the reality of it what did you accomplish because i think a lot of times you know 
<clears throat> I always tell people, you have to be absolutely blessed to make it to a professional sport at, you know, the professional level of any sport. You have to just be absolutely blessed. They mm-hmm. say luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And, mm-hmm. you know, like there's a lot of preparation and, you know, that one opportunity when it comes, like you have to just, the, the amount of things that have to go right for you to get there is mm-hmm. an absolute blessing. And I always tell people, if you base it all on this one, sometimes unrealistic, you know, just perfect goal of whether it's winning it all every year or as a, mm-hmm. a, a as an athlete who hasn't made it to the professional levels of, I gotta go D1, I gotta make it to the NFL or NBA. If you mm-hmm. stake your whole athletic identity on that one goal, right. The chances of you making it and realizing it realistically, you set yourself up for failure every single time because then you minimize and dismiss all the things you did accomplish with the mindset of trying to get there. Yes, I didn't make the NFL. And at that time, that was my overall goal to make the NFL, but Mm -hmm. I didn't make it. And it wasn't from a lack of effort. It wasn't from a lack of trying. It was just simply that my body broke down on me. My body could not sustain that level of effort in you know time and those type of situations anymore mm-hmm. completely understand that it's a barbaric sport you know so yeah yeah not shocked however if i just deduce it down to well i didn't make the nfl so i was a sorry football player i was not a three-time true. all-american i was three-time all-conference mm-hmm. i started 34 straight games like there was a lot of things in the here and then that i accomplished and if mm-hmm. i don't appreciate those or find appreciation in that and all yeah. I'm left with is the resent and regretment of a goal that from the jump I didn't even really explore all the way through and be reasonable with to begin with mm-hmm. then my expectation of perfection will fail me not only in that moment but every mm-hmm. other moment I try to think that like you said mm-hmm. I think a lot of times too athletes you know especially when your career is over with a lot of times some of the things we struggle with is will we ever find excitement and joy to that level again in our life mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. To me personally, I haven't yet. But in my mm-hmm. personal life, my goal isn't to win a championship or be mm-hmm. an all American. I can't be an all American therapist. If there was, I probably, you know, <laughs> I'd get a couple votes, you know, maybe just a couple, just a couple, you know, second team, maybe rookie team or something like that, you know. Okay. But that's not the goal anymore. My goal is to be the best yeah. authentic version of myself day in and day out. And that's and whatever yeah. that looks like day in and day out. That's all I can ask for of myself. And I should take time to appreciate the moments, the here and now when I'm there, because if I get to mm-hmm. the end of my life, whenever that is, whenever God taps me on my shoulder and says, bring my playbook with me, all I'm left with is what I've done up to that point. And if I don't find appreciation, if I don't find something to just be proud of, all mm-hmm. I'm left with is that regret and resentment. And that's not a healthy way to live. It's, it's, it's toxic consumption um, that literally erodes you from the inside out. It reminds me, um, I went to an event the other day and, and uh, was listening to some former athletes speak and there was a former player from the NFL there who didn't make it past the practice squad um, and talked about how literally his entire life everything about his identity, everything about his experience was built upon on going to the NFL. And he had just signed a lease before he got cut and the whole nine yards and had to move back home with parents. And it was like, literally, it was like his life crashed and burned. Um, 
And, you know, as he spoke, he talked about how he wallowed in that regret for so long that it led to depression. It led to challenges with his mental health. It adversely impacted his relationships, his finances, and literally every aspect of his life. And then, you know, through therapy, he finally came to the realization that even though the career didn't go the way that he had planned, there was so much for him to be grateful for. He did, he still got an opportunity that some people only ever dream of, and he could use that experience to be instrumental in pouring into other young athletes to, to give them hope and to give them a respectful reality check of the importance of having an established identity beyond who you are as an athlete. So I just I wanted to share that we're out of time. Um, we are out of the time goes by so daggone fast. Um, any, any final thoughts that you wanna give on today's topic before I close this out, Ronnie? Are you good? Um, my, my final thoughts would be, you know, um, set realistic goals and objectives for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And whether it's athletic career, personal, professional career, you know, relationships, mm -hmm. friendships, whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. be in that moment, be present and mm -hmm. learn to appreciate as much as you can, as long as you can, mm -hmm. because nothing lasts forever, good or bad. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's just my, you know, that's my final thoughts on it. Um, yeah. You know, I hope anybody who deals with any type of regret mm -hmm. or resentment can really work on it and process it and, you know, um, mm -hmm. find some peace in those situations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so just a couple of things I wanted to highlight before we close out. And it's just, it's just a funny disclaimer. So, you know, you know, I feel about Tom Brady. But can I just tell you, I am absolutely positively loving his commercials with her turn a car. They are so freaking oh, funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're hilarious. They are hilarious. I was like, Tom has a sense of humor. These are really, 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 really good commercials. They're so funny. Um, the other thing that I wanted to do, Ronnie, is I wanted to, to take a moment to thank um, Dr. Lee Piccarello and Dr. Hunter Stevens of the Head Game Podcast. They are the founders of the MindFlex LLC um, organization in, I wanna say they're in Ben Salem, PA. So it's, it's a suburb of Philadelphia. Um, they're doing extraordinary, extraordinary work there with athletes of all levels. Um, and I was so fortunate and blessed to be able to spend time with them um, recording uh, an episode of their podcast on Wednesday. Um, that show was scheduled to come out on August the eighth, um, but just some really, really, really substantive, I mean, just phenomenal conversation. You talk about small town America, come to find out, I remember a couple of seasons ago, we had former Redskin Rob Green, who played at William and Mary and is uh, one of the best friends of my son's father, Alan Garlic. They played at William and Mary together, which is where Coach Tomlin played too. Mm -hmm. And um, the Dr. Piccarello played against my son's father and Ron Green, and he remembered him because William and Mary beat the brakes off of Lehigh. <laughs> oh, wow, that is a small world. He was at wow. Lehigh, the same window of time that they were at William and Mary. So, we just had a blast talking and laughing about that, and then just really ran it really went into some just powerful, powerful, substantive conversation about. Um, mental uh, health and, you know, mindfulness and mental toughness, just a powerful conversation. They've both agreed to come on the show next season. So super oh. excited. 
about that. We'll be sharing the lineup with them so they can decide when they want to join us. I also want to thank the team at the KPI Institute and the Family Science Insights Podcast for having me on. That was another great conversation. Um, I was interviewed and had an opportunity. They're out of Melbourne, Australia. Um, I was so blessed and fortunate, had an opportunity to be interviewed and have some really robust discussion around codependency in the family system. Um, so mm. just great, great, great um, time to spend with them. And then this coming Monday, I'm the guest on the Mental Society podcast with Amanda Dolan. So really looking forward to all of these opportunities that God is opening for me to just share our passion about mental health, about sports and mental health, about relationships and just mm -hmm. how important mental wellness is. And I'm just so thankful and humbled for all of these opportunities. Um, I'm super duper duper excited about the projects that we're working on behind the scenes that we can't announce yet. Ah, I'm just so psyched. I'm so psyched. Um, and I'll be super duper duper hyped when we can um, when we can release to the public and to our audience all of the extraordinary extraordinary projects that we have right. going on. That Ronnie, I just believe are going to bless people. Just definitely oh, yeah. going to bless folks all over the, the United States, and 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 some of these blessings are are going to to hit worldwide too. Um, and mm. then the last announcement is um I got my feedback from my publisher on you know how well my book did at the London Book Fair and at the LA Times Festival of Books really 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 phenomenal reviews from both of those book fairs just a lot of love but you know what was so interesting Ronnie and it's you know just a lot a lot a lot of fanfare here in the U.S. with the response to the book but they love Dr. Pitts in Asia they love me in Asia. And I was like, get out of here. Oh, wow. So okay. our marketing and social media folks, you know, review the the um, the reports and what have you. I can't, I can't express the gratitude and how humbled and blessed I am. Um, it just everything, everything, Ronnie, that God is doing in my life and our life as 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 team clinicians and and the, the host of House Talk and just some man, listen. Who is and, and there's so much more. There's so much more that God is showing us that He's doing in and through us and for us as it relates to this work that we're so passionate about. So I just want to put that out there. Um, and that's all we have, folks. That's all we have for today. We are about to hit this June run for the, the final four episodes for the 2022-2023 the season. These are episodes that you absolutely positively do not want to miss. You do all. not want to miss these last four episodes. They are just going to be absolutely phenomenal. Um, have a wonderful holiday weekend. Stay safe. No waving your guns to songs. No, way. no waving your guns to songs. Have a wonderful time. Stay safe, folks. And we'll see you right back here next Saturday. Same time, same channel. Have a yes, great weekend. Thank you. Have a Bye -bye. great weekend. Happy Memorial Day. Indeed. Bye-bye.